Welcome to the Lagan Valley Vineyard Podcast. We are a community passionate about seeing Lagan Valley filled with the presence and the teachings of Jesus. If you would like to connect with us or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website, laganvalleyvineyard.com. You're so welcome um, to those of you here in the building, to those of you watching at home or catching up later in the week. We are thrilled that you're here and uh, you are really, really welcome. I have a little bit of housekeeping and I'm so aware that this is literally kind of preaching to the choir. But um, as you will know, getting tickets to be at church uh, can be a challenge. And uh, depending on what time you make it to your computer between kind of Wednesday at seven and maybe Thursday lunchtime, depends whether we can get to be here. But we typically have somewhere between kind of 20 and 30 on a weekly basis that are on our waiting list. And so if you are signed up, and you find out at some point that you can't make it, can you please let us know? I'm very aware you're all here and you've made it. Um, but if you're at home and you've signed up, uh, please, please let us know because it's, there are people that would love to be here that can't be here because people have signed up. Um, and we get that life happens. There's no issues with that. But if you could just drop us an email and let us know if you can't be here, then we can let somebody who's waiting to get here uh, know. Wow, my um, iPad is like, going into like hyper mode here. Wonderful. Um, I can really encourage you as well, if you have connected with us in the last six months or so and haven't been to a newcomer's night, we would love to see you next Sunday night. Uh, it's a brilliant space just to hear our story and uh, for us to hear yours and get to know us all a little bit uh, better. And then finally, I know that lots of you have been praying for our staff team and for our leadership team over the last month as we've been meeting to pray and seek God and, and just wrestle with all the questions of what does the next kind of season of church look like. And first of all, I just want to say thank you so much to all of you who've been praying for us. We deeply, deeply appreciate it. And then secondly, I want to say that next Sunday, I will be bringing uh, a bit of an update on how that process has gone and what we think the next kind of uh, season will look like. Isn't it funny that we just can't put any kind of dates on any of that because nobody has a clue. Um, but I am going to spend some time next Sunday just talking about what we think the next little while is going to look like for us as a church. And so you're so, uh, uh, yeah, welcome to be here or catch up with that online, all sorts of stuff. So as we begin um, today, I'm going to read uh, the text that we've been in for the last five weeks um, if you're able, will you stand for the reading of God's Word? This is Psalm 23. Um, come, Holy Spirit. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you're with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup, it overflows. Surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
Father, we gather around your word this morning, and we humbly and simply pray, speak, O oh God. We need your voice in our lives. We're listening to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, like I said, we have been in this uh, psalm for the last five weeks, and uh, it's very deliberate. Uh, it's a very famous passage of Scripture, perhaps one of the most well-known of the entire uh, Bible. But the first week, uh, Stu challenged us, um, the busyness is the enemy of spirituality. Um, like, I, I do spirituality as a job, and I, I was deeply convicted uh, by that talk. Um, Laura taught the next week, um, challenging us to reflect on how honest we are before God. And, you know, it's so easy for us to just slip into going through the motions, isn't it? And to not actually stop and think, what's, what's actually really going on in here? And am I bringing that out uh, here and then Lauren did that kind of ninja thing. I don't know if any of you were here or caught up on home to Lauren's talk a few weeks ago where like she kept stopping in the middle. And um, can I be honest with you, the first couple of times I was getting a bit frustrated, you know. I said, just come on, you know. And by the end of it, I was like, Flip, I, I think I need more of this in my life. And um, last week, truthfully, uh, God spoke as powerfully as he had to me uh, through a sermon in a long, long time, as uh, Dana um, taught us what it looks like to feast in the presence of our enemies. This morning, I, I want to look at the second half of verse 5 of Psalm 23 that says this, you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Uh, Dana said something last week that um, pretty much summed up my experience or the majority of my experience when it comes to reading the Scriptures. Most of the time, when I listen to the things that God says, the first and most honest reaction, more often than not, is, that doesn't really make any sense. Like, I know I'm supposed to agree with it, and I, I know I'm supposed to find encouragement somewhere in it, but truthfully, more often than not, when God interrupts my life, when He has something to say, my initial or immediate reaction can so often be, what? Like, I, I, don't, really, I don't really get it. That doesn't really make any sense to me. The Lord says, you anoint my head with oil, and my cup, it overflows. That's what He says over us, that, that we should look back at Him and say, thank you, Father, you anoint my head with oil, and my cup, it overflows. I, I don't know about you, but when I think on the last year, and when I even think on the last month, it, it doesn't feel like my life's very anointed right now. My, my cup, it, it doesn't feel like it's overflowing right now. It doesn't seem to make any sense. And, and a really dangerous approach to Jesus and discipleship is just kind of close your eyes, grit your teeth, and agree. Like, just, just will it to be true. Just like, 
yeah, this has to be true because it's in the Bible and therefore it should be true. I'm just going to say it's true. I'm just going to believe it's true. I'm going to tell my friends it's true. Even though somewhere within me, I find myself going, I don't know how to relate to this. This isn't my experience right now. I, I find comfort in the truth that if the words of God made sense to us all the time, we should perhaps wonder if they're the words of God at all. It's a really dangerous thing, you see, whenever the voice of God sounds like your own. Uh, we saw that play out in the States recently around all the prophecies about Donald Trump. It's just kind of ironic that everyone was prophesying the thing that they wanted to be true. You see, when God speaks, we should expect something different. We should expect something that would make us go, wait, what? God sees and God speaks from a different perspective to most of us. There's a really easy illustration to this in, in parenting. Uh, how, how many times, particularly when your kids are small, are, are you trying to get them to do something that makes absolutely no sense to them? And then they go ahead and do it and fall over or trip over or hurt themselves. Honest confession. I, I remember telling my son a couple of years ago that it was a really bad idea for him to play with scissors. Like, don't play with scissors, son. Like, they're, they're not for you to play with. And then we were in the kitchen one day, and I saw a flash of light and heard a bang and turned around, and the cord for the vacuum that was plugged in was just cut in two by the scissors. It scared the life out of me. I said, that's why we say don't play with scissors, son. Do you get it? He says, no, no, I get it. <laughs> God speaks to us from a perspective often that makes no sense to us because we don't see things the way He sees them. One of the first and hardest jobs for us as followers of Jesus is to learn to see the way God sees. Two prayers that I pray almost every single day, Father, what do you see and what do you say? Because often what I see and what I say don't come from that perspective, they come from this one. Following Jesus is about learning to see what He sees and learning to say what He says. And by the way, those things are rarely what we expect. The great Greg Reporter says it most beautifully in his song, Take Me to the Alley. Listen to these words. He sings, well, they gild their houses in preparation for the king. And they line the sidewalks with every sort of shiny thing. But they will be surprised when they hear him say, take me to the alley. Take me to the afflicted ones. Take me to the lonely ones that have somehow lost their way. Let them hear me say, I am your friend. Come to my table. Rest here in my garden. You will have a pardon. God doesn't speak the way we speak. He doesn't see the way we see. And when God walked among us, 
most of us didn't recognize him. In fact, we were so threatened by what he said and what he saw that we killed him. We would do well to be humble enough to believe had we lived then, we would most likely have been among that majority. This is why Jesus had to say, blessed is anyone who does not stumble or who does not take offense at the things I say. It is easier than you might think to take offense to the words of God. He comes in a whisper to us, even in this moment, I am anointing your head with rain. He comes, and He says, I am anointing your head with oil. Your cup overflows. I completely understand and relate. If your first instinct to those words is, if this is anointing, you can keep it. If this is overflowing, I dread to think or imagine what empty looks like. What do we do with these words when we feel the opposite? Offense is most definitely an option. Perhaps what's more common is just to kind of subtly and quietly ignore them. Turn on Netflix, be excited that you can get back on the golf course or the gym or whatever your particular choice of hiding place is for us to say, I don't get it, God. You just aren't speaking my language. Maybe that's the point. Maybe we need to learn a new language. If you've ever, sorry, if you've never sat around a Northern Irish Sunday dinner table with some first-time visitors from America, you should put it on your bucket list. It can be quite a comical experience as you watch people supposedly speak the same language and completely miss each other. At some point, if you have a particularly bold and honest American, you likely get an exasperated question, what language are you even speaking? Dana told uh, an interesting, slightly embarrassing story of me trying to learn the electric slide on my first visit to her family last Sunday. So I, I thought I would get my own back today. Um, when we first came to Northern Ireland, we were just dating, and I brought her home to visit some friends and family and all that sort of stuff. And uh, we were at a particular um, family friend's house for dinner. And dinner had gone pretty well. Um, I had to translate a couple of times, and we retired to the soft seats, you know, that moment after kind of dinner. And we're, we're in the good room, and there's all sorts of chat going back and forward. And my friend Andrew looked at Dana and said, I suppose being from America, you think we've all got terrible teeth. And Dana, kind of half blank, half smiling, just looked back and went, yeah. <laughs> now she gets cross because I said then, you have no idea what he just said, do you? 
She gets a bit cross about that because I was kind of highlighting the fact that she didn't say pardon. She just uh, agreed. But I thought that was, that was a better outcome than her just insulting the whole family. Learning a new language requires a dramatic change of pace. Here, we speak so fast. We speak so fast that other English speakers, when they get around us, don't even understand what we're saying. When it comes to learning a new language, the first thing we do is slow down. And the second thing we do is repeat. You watch it with babies, mama, mama, dada, dada. Everything slows down. Wait, say that one more time for me. Sorry, say that again. Can you just slow it down for me? The language of God is no different. If we're going to learn how to not just hear what he's saying, but understand what he's saying, it requires a radical change of pace. This isn't like leave your jobs and go live in a monastery, but it is about learning to slow down what's going on inside long enough that what he's saying can actually land. I've told you this so many times. In 5th and 6th century Ireland, the height of kind of the Celtic monastic movement, when pagans showed up in monasteries searching for God. The monks did a couple of things initially. First thing they did, food and water. Second thing, a place to rest. And the third thing was nothing else for days. They used to say, fifth and sixth century Ireland, right? I mean, if you're really well off, you've maybe got a horse or a donkey, but most people are walking everywhere. And the monks then believed that most people's lives were moving far too quickly to be able to hear and understand the voice of God in their lives. We feel like God has abandoned us because five or ten minutes in the morning checking our phone intermittently isn't working. I wonder, have you ever had a moment or a season in your life when the pace of your inner life and the pace around you didn't quite match up? For me, this is most easily noticed on the first couple of days of a holiday. Remember when we used to have those? Usually, when we go on holiday, this really weird thing happens. Often, actually, I get sick. The first few days when the pace just seems to stop, usually I get some kind of cold or illness. And it takes me two or three days for my inner world, my thoughts, my emotions, all of that kind of stuff. It usually takes me between two or three days for that side of my life to slow down. For me to actually feel like Things are 
quiet. For many of us, this last year has been that on steroids. The world around us slowed down, but the world within us, we noticed, was out of control. Mental health professionals tell us we are living through a crisis the likes of which we have never seen before. That is a big statement for a place like Northern Ireland. I was chatting um, with a therapist a couple of weeks ago on the phone, and she said, Andy, all my colleagues, even those who've worked through the troubles, are saying they've never seen anything like this. The pandemic, no doubt, has taken its toll, but I think there is more going on here. And we would do well to pay attention and to notice. I was walking uh, our mountain last Wednesday morning with somebody, to, one of the greatest gifts of, I guess, lockdown is that I get to do my work walking in wild places now. I was walking back down off our mountain and this man that I was spending some time with said, uh, what effect has living up here had on your soul? I said, the answer might surprise you. He said, really? I said, yeah, I feel a bit broken. feel pretty dislocated. I'm working through some stuff and probably the best way to describe it is I just feel a bit broken. You see, the last year has caused us to slow down and many of us have realized that we have neglected things within us for a long time. And they present in all kinds of messy and challenging ways. And blame COVID at your peril. Listen to your life. And listen to what God is saying. Even if right now it doesn't seem to make a whole pile of sense. For many of us, slowing down reveals things that we don't like. Stress, anxiety, fear, judgment, anger. And we can be so drawn to just, I just need to get busy again. I just need things to go back to normal. I can just get on a holiday or I can just numb out with some other way. And we are moving back towards that. And as your pastor, I must caution you. The worst thing you could do right now is just fill your life up again. Sure, it's uncomfortable. Sure, it's not that nice. God is speaking, whispering slowly, I am anointing your head with oil. I've been so struck as I've reflected on this. Jamie, will you guys get ready to come on back up? As I've reflected on this passage this week, I've been so uh, troubled even in Matthew 12, Jesus gets anointed, John 12, sorry, at Bethany. I think often we think anointing means a palace, when for Jesus it meant a cross. When God speaks and it makes no sense, we need to choose to slow down to reject offense and to learn his language. That unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it can bear no fruit. That there is no life 
without a death. And that doesn't make any sense. And now we're getting somewhere. I don't know about you, but for me, there's some things in my life that feel like they're dying right now. And for those that have ears to hear, that is good news. For I must decrease and he must increase. All those who seek to save their lives will lose it, but those who lose their life for my sake will find true, abundant, resurrected life. You see, every death gives birth to something new. That's an offensive idea. But it's true that every death gives birth to something new. Anointing points to new life that is coming. But there's more. Let me wrap this up quickly. David was a shepherd. I don't know if you know this, but um, sheep aren't the most intelligent of creatures. One of the things that happens, Dana and I, when we're out walking, almost on a weekly basis at the minute, is catching lambs that have got their heads stuck in fences as they're trying to get away from us and lifting them up and putting them back over the fence. Sheep often put their heads in places they do not belong. And because of that, in the time of David, one of the things that shepherds would do is cover the sheep's heads with oil so that when they stuck them in briars, they could pull them out without harming them. So that little flies that had a tendency to lay eggs in their ears and in their nostrils, they couldn't do it. Anointing is about new life, but it is also about protection. That what we're walking through might be hard, but the anointing is a promise that God will not leave us alone in that place. That although it might hurt, He's not going to hurt us. I don't know if you've ever recovered from a broken bone. That moment when they take the cast off and you have to start using that joint or that bone again, it hurts. But it's not going to hurt you. God anoints our heads with oil as we walk through difficult stuff. And finally, anointing is about new identity. When Samuel came to David and he anointed him, his identity changed. He was no longer the forgotten shepherd boy. He was the king in waiting. The anointing was the natural expression of the spiritual reality that when God anoints us, he marks us, not in some elitist way, but with humble authority to know that we are beloved children with a purpose to reflect his love and his beauty to the world. Anointing signifies new life. It's for our protection ultimately. And it drives out the demons of insecurity and fear that cripple so many of us who don't know how to answer the question truthfully, who am I and what do you think of me? I know it can be hard dreadfully hard but because he is at work we get to declare our cup overflows 
not because everything is good, not because everything looks how we would like it to be, not because we aren't walking through pain and suffering, not because everything feels rosy. We declare our cup overflows because the Lord Almighty is with us and He is at work transforming us into the likeness of His Son, Jesus. And if we think we can get there without some things dying in our lives, we've missed the whole thing. It costs us everything because it's worth absolutely everything. If you're able, we stand. Father God, Almighty Lord, we welcome you now. Come, Holy Spirit, on this Pentecost Sunday, come pour out your oil of anointing upon us. Come, Lord. We open ourselves to you in this moment. In this room, in the rooms across this region, Holy Spirit, would you come and anoint us? Father, pour out your oil upon us. Amen.